0: everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Peak, And I just want to say hi. How are you? How is your life going? We are in January of 2022. And if you're like me, you're facing a lot of new challenges because of COVID and because of the things that are going on in the world. There's always new things that are coming up. I recently listened to a very good podcast from a sermon from Second Chance Church uh, Perry Noble, he posted about the silent cry of men. And he talked about things that men are going through. And I talked about this on a previous episode with Josh Tredaway. Uh, Check it out, um, episode 338. But in it, uh, we talked about the fact that a lot of challenges that men have are, are, am I measuring up? Am I doing the things that I'm supposed to do? Am I being the man that I'm supposed to be? And With that, becomes a lot of things, a lot of questions that men have of themselves that they don't talk about. Uh, Let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about what we go through. Okay. So, you're expected to do certain things. You're expected to be tough. You're expected to, you know, defend the castle if need be. You're expected to know certain things how to fix things, how to find resolve in things, how to be the rock of the relationship, how to be the I don't know, deciding factor in a lot of things. And sometimes there's not answers that you have. Sometimes there's things that you don't know. And you have to figure out those things as life goes on. And hopefully, the older you get, the better the answers come, the easier they come. And that's not always the case. Sometimes life throws you curveballs. Uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine right now is going through some stuff. And there's a lot of questions in the air about what's the right thing to do, how's the right way to handle things. And I don't have the answers. I don't know what to tell them. I don't know what to tell them how to figure it out um, because it is so foreign to me. It is so different from the life that I live. I had a conversation with somebody recently where they talked about the fact that they feel like they're in a rut, that they're going through the motions, that they're just living life day to day, barely hanging on to what reality is to them. And I have another friend of mine who has gone the other realm and has fully embraced everything that life could offer and yet has the opposite feeling of, I just want a relationship. I just want to be belonging. I just want a daily routine. And those are the questions that everyone has to ask, not just men, men and women. What is our place? What is our thing? What is, what, is, what is the thing that makes us happy ultimately? We start off young thinking the world is our oyster and we can do anything and anything is possible. And it totally is. I mean, no matter what you want to do in this world, you are totally allowed to do it. What is it you want to do? That is the hardest question to ask because it's the hardest question to answer. If you look at all the options in your life, you go, there's a lot of ways I can go. I remember at one point in my life, I thought I could go in the military, I could go in the medical field, I could really venture into this uh, supply chain division of the medical field. And I chose the military. Um, It was okay. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about who I was, what I was willing to do, what I wasn't willing to do, uh, what it meant to be a man, what it meant to make decisions, what it meant to belong to something bigger than yourself, what it meant to be a unit of people accomplishing the same goal together. And that was very helpful. It was a big learning time of my life. It also cost me things. I was in a relationship with somebody. It cost me a marriage. Um, It cost me my family in a way. I had to make decisions with my kids that were difficult. Um, I ultimately chose a, a path that a lot of men wouldn't choose. I chose to take my kids. I chose to have them full-time, to to be the mother and the father for an extended period of time while my ex decided to go find herself, wherever whatever that means. Um, people who know me personally know this story, but I had to venture out into the world trying to find a relationship, trying to find something that meant something to me, and it wasn't what I started off looking for. When you're young, you have a grocery list of things that you want out of life. You want you want adventure. You want romance. You want to find that spark that makes you feel alive. You want to be able to tell the man, kiss my ass. I mean, you want to be able to do all the things that you see in the movies. You want to be powerful and strong and and in shape and and all of these things. And along the way, you find the things that are most important to you and the other stuff doesn't matter. I heard a, a comedian one time say that uh when she was looking for a guy in her 20s, she said I had a long list like he had to be, you know, looking like Brad Pitt and money, you know, like the the richest billionaire and he had to be suave like so and so and he had to be able to speak multiple languages and you know, it'd be great if he could you know be a family man, but also you know be an adventurist and and want to skydive and rock climb and all this other stuff and she goes and now I'm in my 40s and I just want him to have a job and not hit me right that sounds pretty dark, right but that's the kind of what life teaches you in a dark sort of way is that life is hard and a lot of us are Barely being able to do what we can do while being nice to each other. Now, I know that sounds crazy to some people. Some people out there are living a blessed life, and great, that's great for you. There's a lot of people living a very hard life, and they can relate to that story. They can relate to the parameters that a story gives you. There are elements of life that test you in all directions. And some people admire those tests and challenge those tests straight on and go, Yeah, hit me with your best shot. I'm gonna show you what I'm made of. I'm a man, I'm a I'm a woman, I'm a I'm a I'm a conqueror of of nations. I I can do things, I can I can set examples for other people as to how awesome I am and what they should do. And then there's a lot of us that just go, Yeah, I'm trying not to get hurt. So is there is there a path for me not to get hurt? So I've talked about on this podcast about being in the Marine Corps and about how I ended up joining the Marine Corps, but I don't know if I've told the whole story. So I was younger working at a hospital and it ended up in a situation where I was working several jobs at the same time. I was working for McDonald's early in the morning, doing their maintenance. I could come in at four in the morning and take out all their garbage and clean up and hose off the the driveway and you know basically take care of all the maintenance needs of the place and then I could leave there and then go to college so I would go in at super early in the morning I'd get off just in time to go to college I'd take my little few classes that I had to take and then I had some time where I had some free time and I found a job to take that place I would go to the mall to these women's apparel stores and I would clean their stores and replace light bulbs and take trash outside because the ladies were nervous about taking trash outside. They were like, it's a dirty job and I don't want to do it. And they paid me good money and it didn't take me long to do, but I could basically go from store to store of, you know, Lerner, Lane Bryant, Victoria's Secrets, um, the Limited. There was like four or five stores that I would go around to and I would do all this stuff and it, it was good money. And of course, you know, during that time, um, they would often have. Uh, I think it was around Christmas time that I was starting to do that. They would have little parties for their staff and they would give me food. And it was it was very beneficial to me. Um, I was dating my first wife at the time. And, you know, it was one of those things where I could just stay active and stay busy and constantly have money coming in because I was nervous about the fact that I wasn't making much money working at McDonald's. And then I got a part-time job working on the weekends 12-hour uh, shifts at a local hospital in their material supplies department. It's basically their warehouse. And working 12-hour working shifts was good money. Uh, it didn't take 12 hours to do the job. Uh, I worked there with a friend of mine, Josh West. You've heard him on the podcast here. The job actually took about three to four hours a day to do. The other hours were basically you, you just being on call to answer phone calls and and fulfill supplement issues. The rest of the time was us just kind of cleaning up and, and messing around, just having us time. You know, free time, talking, gossiping, coming up with plans of the future, what we're gonna do, what we're gonna be. And then I also had a part-time job working in the evenings at Red Lobster, um, doing whatever, whatever, would, whatever paid me. Um, and at a certain point, all of those jobs got to be too much. Uh, There was an opportunity for me to work during the week at at the local hospital as well on a a 7am to 4pm shift. And I thought, well, I could do that and the weekend. And then I'm working seven days a week and I'm making more money. And I just, I dove right into it. I was like, yeah, I got nothing going on. I mean, I got this girlfriend and all, but you know, whatever, I'm working, things are possible. College at that point seemed pointless because college wasn't paying me anything. And I really wasn't certain on what I wanted to do for a living. So I decided, you know what? The Marine Corps sounds like a good plan. Actually, no. I take that back. The Army sounded like a good plan. I thought I wanted to join the Army because my grandfather, Granddaddy Peake, Charles Oliver Peak, had been an Army officer, or an Army soldier, not an officer, a soldier. So... <clears throat> I went down to the army recruiter and I talked to him and man, he sounded like he was selling me everything I wanted to hear. He's like, oh man, it'll be great. You'll get to see the world. We can do this, we can do that. And the more he talked, the more I, the more I didn't trust him. He was literally like the guy you wanted to date who talked himself out of dating you. Um, the more he talked, I was like, I don't believe a thing you're saying. And I had a friend at the time, a guy named Brian Basin. Shout out to Brian Basin. Um, Brian and I had started spending a lot of time together because we worked together. And Brian was like, listen, I got a plan. I've been going around to the other recruiters and I think you need to talk to the Marine recruiter. I think that's the path for us. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, I talk to everybody. And I was like, eh, I don't want to talk to everybody. He's like, why not? I was like, because at least with the Army, I know what I'm getting. They got the most soldiers in the group. You're less likely to get shot if you're in the Army because... I mean, you could have a job that has nothing to do with being a soldier. You could just be a, a barber or a cook or a whatever. And he was like, yeah, yeah, but still, you need to go talk to this guy. And I was like, eh, okay. So I went down there one day and I was like, let me go talk to the Navy recruiter. Because they got cool ships and they go all over the place. And, you know, I got to thinking about the math of it. The Navy never gets attacked because... They got giant guns on their ship and they have planes and they have helicopters. And if anybody ever gets close to them, they have Marines on the boat. Who's going to kill anybody who comes near them. No one in my lifetime, except for, you know, maybe Pearl Harbor, which is before my lifetime has attacked the Navy. It's just not done. Okay. And I thought, maybe I'll go talk to the Navy guy. And when I walked up, the guy was wearing dress whites (laughs) and, and one look at him and I thought, no, I cannot wear white because I get dirty easily. I mean, I can just look at something and and be like, oh crap, now I'm dirty. See, if you're watching the YouTube video right now, I wear my Burt Kreischer machine hoodie and it's charcoal gray for a reason for that. If he made it in white, I wouldn't buy it. But it's charcoal gray. I can disguise any kind of stains that I get on it, right? So the Navy was off the boat. Plus, I had this fear of being in submarines. Think about it. You've never seen a good movie about submarines. It's always like, sorry, Johnny. We got to save everyone else. He's like, wait, wait, I'm not ready. And he's closing off this little hull, And the guy's on his side going, boop, boop. And he's drowning. Yeah, no. No submarines for me. No thank you. So then I went over to the Air Force. And I walked up to the Air Force place. And this guy looked like he was 90 years old. And he had a chest full of metals and a hat on with little... Do dads on it. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I belong here either. Because <laughs> that n- nothing about you relates to me right now. Here's the thing. You want people to be relatable, right? So I walked into the Marine Corps office and there's a guy who apparently had just been out running and he's wearing his little tiny shorts on and his shirt. and He's all sweaty and he's talking on the phone like he's talking to his best friend. And he's like, hey, man, let me let you go. I just had somebody walk in my office. I'm just going to say hey to him. And this charming guy, staff sergeant, started talking to me. Hey, buddy, what's up? How you doing? What can I do for you? And we talked. And I told him, I said, listen, I'm joining the Army, uh, but my buddy Brian said, I need to come talk to you. And he's like, all right, what are you going to talk about? I said, I don't know. Life. He goes, okay, I can talk about life. And he talked to me like I'm talking to you right now, like a human being, like somebody who, from the instinct that I talked to him, I was like, I'm talking to a grown man. I'm talking to somebody who knows who he is, where he's going and what he wants to do with his life, without a doubt. I'm not talking to the army recruiter who's a used car salesman trying to sell me on a bit bit of goods that's no good. I'm talking to somebody who talks like I talk. He's living his life. He's trying to figure it out. He's making mistakes. And along the way, he's learning a lesson. And something about it was like, this is where I belong. And my buddy Brian was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, man. I talked to him. We can join on the buddy plan. I was like, the buddy plan? He was like, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. I said, all right, cool, the buddy plan. What does that mean? He goes, well, it means that when we go to boot camp, we'll be probably in the same platoon. And then when we go to, to, to go somewhere, they'll send us in the same areas. Man, it'll be awesome. I was like, yeah, that does sound awesome. You know, I liked Brian at the time, at the time. So we joined and we talked the whole time about how cool it's going to be and how we're going to have this adventure together. And in the meanwhile, I was dating my first wife. We had separated. Um, It was not love at first sight. Um, It was uh, easy access. Yeah. Let's just call it easy access. It wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't star crust lovers. None of that crap. It was, Hey, what are you doing? I mean, literally. So, while I'm in preparation to go to the Marine Corps, my ship out date is December 19th. I find out uh, five months in that she's pregnant with my kid. So, <laughs> I go, okay, what do we do here? Because I don't, I don't know what to do here. This is pre-internet. This is pre-information information to the global world of what to do. And we panicked and we talked about it and she and I both agreed. We didn't see us being married. We didn't see us being a couple. Um, I told her, I said, listen, I'll help take care of our kid, but I, I don't want to be with you. And she's like, I don't want to be with you either. And we talked to family about our plan and family was like, you know what? If you don't do this, uh, we're going to disown you, me, and she's fine here, but you're not. <laughs> so I made a decision. I said, all right, well, I guess we're going to do this. And so I decided to get married and I didn't get married before I went in. Um, her dad's insurance covered her until she got married or until she finished college or like a certain age. Um, he was in the military prior and had passed away and this was sort of one of those stipulations. So she could have our son turned out to be a son. And after that, um, my plan was to get out of the Marine Corps or you know, graduate from boot camp and then I would have insurance and I could cover an in insurance. And so I said, all right, so here's the modified plan. Instead of me joining the Marine Corps and telling my drill instructor, I'm going to see the world, not drill instructor, recruiter. I want to see the world. I then told him, you know what? Um, I want to be home and have some time with my kid because I don't remember a lot of my dad growing up. So is there any way that I can be the boring stay-at-home dad while still joining the Marine Corps, And he's like, "Well, it depends. You got any special talents?" And I said, "Yes, I can type." And he's like, "Okay, how good can you type?" I said, "Well, I, sixty-five words a minute." He's like, "Really?" I said, "Yeah. You got to imagine back when I joined in '94, that was a rarity for a guy to be able to type at all, um, especially in sixty-five words a minute proficiently." He's like, "How did you get like that?" I said, "Well, when I was younger, my mom insisted that I take typing." And on my first class of typing class, I realized that I was one of a few guys in a room full of pretty women. And I thought, this isn't so bad. <laughs> this is an easy class. I like this. Do, 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 do. I can do that. Now everybody types, right? So I had learned typing. I had been in keyboarding class. All these little classes, they had these dumb names. I guess back in the 90s, they were thinking, most of these people will become secretaries. These, this class of of people, this class of women. I'm sure that's what society thought at the time. Is women take these classes, not guys. And that was mostly what was in the class. But I did learn a lot. And because of that, I was allowed to join the Marine Corps and be basically an admin guy. Now you're asking yourself, what's an admin guy? It means you work in an office, you do paperwork. So <clears throat> I adjusted my plans, we, we talked about it. Um, we She and I got together. I then took out a $3,000 loan to take care of her while I was gone for boot camp because she couldn't work in the first three months while our son was born. Um, we got a single bedroom apartment. We moved into it. Um, previously, we lived, I lived in an apartment with multiple roommates, but we got a one bedroom apartment just her and I and our son, who was born November 27th. And three weeks later, I went to boot camp with $3,000 owed to a bank with the promise that once I got out, the next day after I got out, we were going to get married. And then we were going to start our life. And I don't know of anybody else in, in my realm of people that I know who did that? I don't know anybody who took out a $3000 loan to join the military. But I did. I did it for my son. And I went to boot camp. My first Sunday on Paris Island was very tough because all I could think about was my son and the fact that it was his first Christmas as a baby and all I had was a picture. And I was in Paris Island. And I wasn't going to get to see him until March if I got through everything. That was the big if. If you can achieve this, if you can pass boot camp, if you can p- walk across a parade deck and become a Marine, then you get to see your son. Because there was no pass fail in my mind. It was you have to do this. And that having to do this pushed me very hard to where. Whatever they said to do, I did. Jump high, run far, push yourself past your limits. Every single aspect of that was getting it done. Now, I graduated boot camp and we got married the day after I got out of boot camp. And it probably wasn't the best decision ever, but it is what it is. It's history. Later on, many years later, I talked to that same guy who recruited me and I said, uh, what were your thoughts of me when I came in that day? And he said, well, I had been recruiting for a while and I realized at a certain point that I don't recruit people to join the Marine Corps. Marines find themselves in front of me and I allow them to come in. He said, there's certain types of people who are what is needed in the Marine Corps that type of soldier, that type of whatever it takes kind of attitude of get the job done. And when you walked in, my first thought was, oh, this is an, this is easy. I got him. Even though you were saying army, army, army. And I thought, you ain't going to the army. You don't talk like an army guy. He said, the, the first words I heard out of your mouth, I thought, yeah, he's going to join. <laughs> and, he, and he was right. And so I joined, $3,000 loan, had to pay it off, went to, went to uh, MCT school, learned Marine combat training in that process of going from MCT to my first schooling. Uh, Timothy McVeigh bombed the Oklahoma City Federal Building, and we got it put into 24-hour lockdown where we had to guard the base. I was suddenly in charge of the motor pool with another fella. And, uh, we would go from 7 PM to 7 AM, basically guarding the area. It was, uh, intense. It was scary. And I was sad because it was more time than I wasn't with my son. Again, notice I didn't say with my new wife, with my son. Now, of course I wanted to sleep with her because I enjoyed sleeping with her before. I mean, that was kind of the whole reason for having a kid, right? That's kind of how you have a kid. But that's also because you're 20 years old. I was 20 years old at the time. And I mean, that's, that's kind of a motivating factor when you're that age. But it was my son. Like everything that I wanted to do had to reflect on him. So time goes on and, uh, we have another kid. Um, and then our marriage falls apart and we move forward and life goes on. And now my kids are, um, let's say my stepson's 28, my or 20, is he 28? Yeah. And so my two are 26 and 24, I could be off. The new year's kind of messing me up. Cluster birthdays are kind of staggered. <sighs> yeah. 27 and 25. 27 and 25 right now. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I don't know. We're all getting old. We're all getting to be adults. They're older than I was when I got out of the military. But you learn. You learn to make decisions. You learn to figure it out. We're all learning to figure it out. All we can do is help each other, right? So I come into contact with people once in a while who tell me stuff like, yeah, I was going to join the Marine Corps, but blah, 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 blah. All right, why are we talking? That's like saying you almost dated the, the girl you wanted to date, but you didn't because blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. I was going to invent the wheel, but blah, blah, blah good for you. I mean, what am I supposed to say to that? I know you're trying to make conversation out of something that's awkward for you. It's not awkward for me. It just seems pointless. And when I got out of the military, it was very hard for me to assimilate back to civilian life because in the military, when somebody said they were going to do something, they followed through. There was no half-assing it. There was no, uh, yeah, I'll take care of that and then not do it. Didn't matter what it was going to be. Hey, I need you to take care of this. Okay, done. You ever had to go back and check if they did it. And I carried that with me. I carried back a lot of the things that I learned then to now. I got out in 98. This is 2022. What is that? 24 years? That's 24 years ago. I was 24 when I got out of the military. So I'm twice the age I was when I got out of the military. And I still carry a lot of that stuff that I learned during that time with me now. I still show up early to things. I still end up waiting, the hurry up and wait mentality. If you're not 30 minutes early, you're late. I still carry that with me. It drives my wife crazy now. She's like, we don't need to be there till later. I'm like, listen, we got to go now. (laughs) I always feel like I'm late. I always feel like I'm not doing enough. I used to lay awake at night thinking, there's all these things I don't know how to do yet. I got to learn how to do them. And YouTube, listen, YouTube's been awesome. YouTube has let me learn a lot of things. I have been able to delve deep into subjects I know nothing about and learn about them. i learned how to fix things. I got started on YouTube because of my dad. My dad and I reconnected when his dad passed away. And he started making YouTube when YouTube started. If you guys don't know, check him out on Peak. R, as in Richard. Peek, P E E K. Um, he started making videos to show me some stuff that he knew how to do because he was like, "Listen, there's this new thing called YouTube. I'm gonna make videos and show you how to do it." I'm like, great. Now he's got like I don't know. I think he's up to thirty-six thousand subscribers around the world who watch him on a regular basis, and he still teaches people to do all kinds of things. But it's still that mentality of I know how to do some things. Let me show you guys, and. I feel like there's a responsibility of all of us to share information along the way. If there's such a thing that's going to happen, such as a collective consciousness, then in, to, in my opinion, it's going to stem from YouTube. It's going to stem from us sharing information. We're sort of getting there now with YouTube and with you know, Google Maps, being able to update things and share things of, hey, I found this place. This is the directions. Hey, I figured out how this works. Here's the how-to video. We're getting there. Think about how much different life would be if you didn't have, if you had answers regardless. Like right now, my grandson, he's five. If he has a question about anything, he can Google it. He can YouTube it. And there's going to be information there for him. Why is the sky blue? Why why does my head hurt when I drink too much Coca-Colas? How do I change the spark plugs in a blah, 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 blah? How do I, how do I... How do I stream content from my phone to my, you know, whatever, the, whatever the question is, people are making content all the time and sharing the information. That's what this is about. That's what this podcast is about. Share that information, stuff I heard, quote unquote sh- stuff I heard, things that I learned along the way that I want to share with you guys that I want you guys to think about. All of it's there. So let's talk about stuff I heard. Okay. Let's pivot. Hard pivot. right? This past week, I've been listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, with Snoop Dogg. And I missed it when it first came out, but I've been listening to it all week long while I've been driving to and from work. And it's awesome. It's great because you got two people from two different backgrounds. Uh, Joe's been a fan of Snoop Dogg for a long time. I mean, think about growing up watching someone musically that you really enjoy. And you can't believe that one day you're just sitting around hanging out with them and talking and shooting the shit. How cool would that be? How cool would it be if I actually had this podcast grow to where I could sit down with Burt Kreischer sitting in my living room or me at the man cave at his place, you know, being like, yeah, so this is how I got started. And this is where we are. How? It would blow me away. Rogan said he was nervous about doing anything with Snoop because he's like, I'm still fanboying out. It's freaking me out that you're here. And yet they're both adults. They're both grown men. But he's like, yeah, but you're this, you're this, celeb- you're this level of celebrity that you were a celebrity when I was just a kid. And now here we are hanging out. And by Snoop's definition, Rogan is just as much a celebrity. He's got every right to be there. But it's still got to be mind-blowing, right? The, the podcast is very interesting. It's very fun. It's full of love. They smoke a lot of weed. And anybody out there who's against weed should listen to this episode because there's no harm done. They're just happy. They're relaxed. They're full of love. They just want to tell everybody, listen, it's all good. It's all good. We're fine. Love one another. Give a shit about one another. Take time to talk to one another. You'll find out you have more in common than you think. Here's two people that have completely different backgrounds, and yet they have a lot of common ground. That's what I took from it. So check it out. Uh, I did watch the second episode of The Book of Boba Fett, and I got to say that Disney Plus is doing great with that. I was nervous on the first episode. This is my admitted admittance. Uh, the first episode was a lot of background information. Uh, the second episode was longer, almost twice as long, and it did have some background information, but it also folded itself into a new part of the story. Um. this moves the progress forward a little bit. And it shows you a little more about who Boba Fett was. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but you got to think about his character of being this bounty hunter with guns and lasers and blasters and rockets and all kinds of crap. And he's he's basically been like Batman. He's had every tool available to him. And you got to ask yourself, yeah, but what are you going to be without those tools? And so his flashback sequences of coming out of the Starlight pit and being basically taken as a slave by the Tuscan warriors and then later earning his independence and then learning how to fight as Tuscan warriors is completely without weapons up to a point. He is taught basically how to fight with a stick, which you see him do in the Mandalorian. You see him side by side with Mando kicking a bunch of stormtroopers ass and it's just with a stick. But up to this point in his life, you got to think about this character he's had all the cool Batman toys, right? He can shoot things and he can blast things and he can knee rocket things, which is hilarious to me. I love the knee rockets. It's so funny. But now he's learning to kick butt with just a stick, which is a totally different thing. That's like taking somebody who has nothing but machine gun arms and then going, all right, now I'm going to teach you jujitsu. You're like, wait, what? Yeah, we're going to take those arms away and you're just going to learn how to grapple now. (laughs) So, the story's good. The second episode is really good. There's a lot of action in it. There's a lot of funny stuff between him and the Tuscans and him teaching them how to use some machinery stuff it's It's all delightful. um There is more movement of the story of him supposedly in this story moving forward with the huts coming into the picture. He's taken over the old job of the Hut palace after he killed Bib Fortuna, and he's supposed to be the new crime lord warlord type person. And Jabba's cousins show up and they're these two hut looking things, which are basically giant fat worms. And they're sitting on this stupid platform and they're marching them in. And I'm thinking the whole time, just shoot them. Like they're not that threatening, shoot them. But in this universe that we're watching, um, the huts have a special place in the universe. They are sort of respected in a way because they control a lot of things. So if he were to kill them, he would invite a lot of people to come after him, which he doesn't necessarily want to do. They have employed this giant looking, I don't even know what you call it. I wrote it down and I'll have to spell it. He's a black, K-R-R-S-A-T-A-N, Crescenten Black Crescentin. He looks like a giant black Wookiee except he has a face more, it's a little different. Like he doesn't look like Chewbacca. He doesn't look like a regular Wookiee. His face is, uh, I don't know, more menacing. And he has a big scar over his eye. And I watched a fan thing that they'd done on YouTube where supposedly in the books, um, he battled and killed a Jedi and the Jedi slashed his face in the process. But he's supposed to be like this ruthless type assassin. And I'm going, okay, they're going to face off. There's your conflict right there. You got a bunch of conflict happening. You got people that are trying to assassinate him on the streets. And now you have this other assassin type dude who's been introduced. So we're going to see Boba Fett, I think, coming up in a lot of critical life and death situations. And I can't help but think that he would have made a really good Marine. I'm just saying (laughs) Just to bring this full circle. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So anyway, um, I'm going to wrap this up. I want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast and for subscribing. Uh, Please check out the website, www.stuffiheard.com. I have all the episodes available there with pictures and videos and all that fun stuff. And uh, check out the merch if you want to buy some merch. It really helps. um, Tell other people about the podcast, if you will it does help the channel grow. And through growth, we can all help each other, right? That's the plan. Uh, Next weekend, I hope to be reporting to you with friends at the Tom Segura I'm Coming Everywhere tour. Uh, During COVID, Tom had to cancel his comedy tour. And now he's renamed the, the tour I'm Coming Everywhere, which is hilarious. If you get a chance to watch Tom Segura on Netflix, he's very funny. Uh, ball hogs has got to be one of my favorite specials that I've seen on Netflix. Um, if you're sensitive, don't watch it. (laughs) It's not for sensitive people, but it's really funny. It's super funny. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that and that's it. I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, review, share, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. And as always, don't forget, cue the cow.